Oh, glory to God, the presence of the Lord is powerful in this place, and he's ready to meet your need. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. He wants to bless you. The message, as I sought the Lord this week on what to speak, he brought me back to the prophetic word that he gave me back on September 17th. Now, I see so many visitors in this place. You're like, what are you, what are you talking about? The Lord on September 17th woke me up at, well, 4.22 to be exact, but the word came to me at 5 a.m. And as I said to our congregation when I read it, it had to have been the Holy Ghost who woke me up at 4 in the morning. Because that's not like me, amen? And I was praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, this word came to me. And I just felt compelled to write this word down that the Lord was giving me for this church in particular. And let me read this to you, and I'll, it kind of ties into my message. Here we go. The Lord spoke to me. He said, prepare yourself and the people. For there shall be a visitation of my spirit that you or my people have not seen thus far. For mighty miracles, signs, and wonders shall take place in the midst of the congregation as they lift up and exalt my son Jesus, my holy written word, and as they seek my face. Many shall come from afar and taste and see that the Lord is good and that he dwells among and within his people. Prepare your vessels for this move of my spirit. It shall take place suddenly and last as long as I am feared or reverenced in your midst and, and in your personal life. Harden not your hearts. Prepare the way for this move of my spirit shall exceed even your desire and expectations. My word shall be confirmed with power in this place. My glory dwells in you in earthen vessels but shall also be manifested tangibly by all who will come to this place. Just as the cloud led the children of Israel by day and fire by night, my tangible presence shall do exploits in your midst, saith the Lord. Many shall come and be blessed and say, we have seen strange things in this place. My word shall be confirmed with power in this visitation. Now, that part there might seem a little strange here where he says, we have, the people will say, we have seen strange things in this place. But actually, that's, that's in the word. If you go to Luke 5, 24 through 26, Jesus got done healing someone, a miracle took place, and it says the people said, we have seen strange things in this place. So that was my scriptural foundation for that. You know, you always want to judge things by the word of God. Amen. Don't get outside of the word, because you'll be treading on danger. But now, as I was seeking the Lord for this message, I said, Lord, how do I prepare myself and the people for this wonderful move of your Holy Spirit? And the Lord gave me a topic that I want to speak about. But before I tell you, I want to create and maintain an atmosphere that is pleasing to God, and that will cause him to move in our midst as a congregation and in our personal lives. Amen? I want to talk today about a very foundational topic in the body of Christ. I want to talk about holiness today. Amen? In fact, I have titled this message, The Highway of Holiness. And you'll see later on where I got that title from in the book of Isaiah. The Highway of Holiness. Because listen, it is 
the blessed way. It is the best way to live. It will lift you above the world's standards. We as Christians or followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, now follow me, are expected to live a holy life, right? It's not an option. The Bible is very clear that we are, as followers of Jesus Christ, to live a holy life. Now turn with me. I want to lay a foundation here. Because like I said, my opinion really doesn't matter. What matters is, is what God says in his word. Amen? Now turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. I know, a lot of times when, when people hear the word holiness or holy, their guard goes up. Oh, wait a minute, don't go there. It's a biblical thing. Now just follow me. And I'm not beating anyone over the head this morning, amen? I'm just pre going to present the word of God and let the word do the work in, in the hearts, amen? And I'm preaching to myself too. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, those preachers, they, they're always, you know, coming against us, coming against you got to understand something. A preacher is preaching to himself every Sunday morning too, right? They're not exempt from what they're supposed to do either. Amen? Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's start with uh, verse 13. And I'm going to go down to verse 16 this morning. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, or your former lifestyle before you became a Christian, but as he which hath called you is holy, so you be holy in all manner of conversation, or that word conversation there literally means lifestyle. Be holy in all manner of your lifestyle, we'll say. Because it is written, verse 16, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, as I was reading that, you know how I told you sometimes the Holy Spirit, when you're reading Scripture, He'll just illuminate a certain, maybe a couple words or a phrase to you, and it just jumps out at to you, it jumps out to you. That's called a rhema word. That's the Holy Ghost quickening that specific word. For you. You understand that? And what jumped out at me when I was reading those, uh, those verses was this. Obedient children. As obedient children. See, because our Heavenly Father is holy. The Bible says that we, as His children, are to be holy. Now, you're probably wondering, all right, Pastor, what does holy mean? You're, you're bringing all this up. What does it mean? Well, that would help, wouldn't it? Let me give you a definition of what holy, holiness is. Holiness is defined as, number one, consecration to God. Number two, spiritual purity. Number three, to be set apart unto God in word, thought, and deed. Let me say that again. Holiness is defined as consecration to God, spiritual purity, and to be set apart unto God in word, thought, and deed. Now, let me make this very simple. Holiness, living a holy life, means to be a doer of the word. James 1.22, right? It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. 
says, if you're calling yourself a Christian, but you're not putting the, the word into action in your life, you're deceiving yourselves. Amen. Amen? Now, so it means to be a doer of the word, walking in obedience to God's word, or come on, let's bring it down to base level, or act as Jesus would act in that situation. It means to be totally separated from the world, sin, and the devil. Amen? In fact, did you know the word uh, that's translated church, the Greek word translated church is ecclesia. How many of you know what ecclesia means? Okay, I'll tell you. It means the called out ones. We've been called out. We've been set apart. Once you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, we've been called out of that world system, right? And I'm going to get a little deeper in that in a, in a moment. So to be totally separated from the world, sin, and the devil. You see, the world says to hate, but God says to love. The world says get even. God says turn the other cheek. The world says to lust, and God says be content with the things that you have, right? Amen? Now, you can only live a life of holiness if you are born again. Now, Sister Laura touched on that this morning. And I'm glad she did. Let me say that again. You can only live a life of holiness if you are a born-again Christian. You see, your spirit, man, once you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, your spirit, see, the real you, you're a spirit, you live in a body, and you have a soul. That makes sense? The real you is a spirit. What do I mean by that? Well, the moment you take the last breath on this earth, guess what? You're out of this physical body. This is just a shell. You understand that? The real you is the spirit that's going to live forever. Amen? Whether in heaven or in hell, depending on what you do with Jesus. Now, so your spirit man, once you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, your spirit man has been reborn. What do we mean by that? The sin nature that was passed down from Adam's disobedience, that sin nature has been stripped away in Christ Jesus. Amen? And you have been given the Holy Spirit to empower you to live a life of holiness. Now, turn with me. I want to I just break that down real quick. Go with me to Ezekiel in the Old Testament. See, the born-again experience was prophesied even back in the Old Testament. I want to show you something here. Glory to God. I love the word. Keeps our thinking straight, right? Ooh, glory. E Ezekiel 36. I'm proving here that you can only live a life of holiness if you are a born-again Christian. That sin nature needs to be stripped away. Ezekiel 36. And look at verse, uh, I'm going to go 26 through 28. This is God prophesying about the new birth experience. Even back in the Old Testament, before Jesus came in the flesh. Amen? Listen to this. A new heart or a new spirit. Your spirit will be reborn. Also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. It's talking about the Holy Ghost. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. He's talking about that sin nature. And I will give you a heart of flesh, a pliable heart that's bent toward God and not toward the devil and sin. Verse 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. 
And you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. So notice there, God, not only when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, not only is he saying now, all right, you, you need to live a holy life. I'm holy, so you be holy. He's not only just saying that and, and the rest up to you, but look, he even equips you to live that holy life. He took that sin nature away, and he planted the Holy Ghost within you to empower you to live that holy life. That's the thing I love about God. He, you know, everything that he's asked us to do in his word, he's empowered us to do it. So if you don't do it, well, you're just plain not taking advantage of what God's done for you thus far. Amen? Hallelujah. You see, God wants you to live a life set apart unto him so that you can be blessed. God, when, when he created mankind, he, he, he just put certain principles into action, right? God, now, stick this in your memory bank and don't forget it. God can never bless sin. Amen? Never. He won't do it. So, that's why he's saying, hey, be holy because I'm holy. He goes, I want you to be blessed. And the only way you can be blessed is if you're living a life according to my word. Because if you're not... You're opening yourself up to the enemy for attacks, right? And up, up just for, for all these bad things to come upon you. So, but listen to me, God won't bend the rule for one person. Oh, I only told a white lie, God will forgive. No, no, no. Sin is sin. He just won't bless it, right? So God's not out with the whip. Live holy, live holy, live holy. No, he's saying live holy. Because I want to bless you. I love you. I want you to live the best possible life. And if you're not living that life according to the word, my hands are tied, he says, because uh, I can't bless you. Right? Come on. That's, that's the word of God. Now, I, I do want to just touch on this, where it talks about the new birth experience. God takes away that heart. Uh, that sin nature, and, and our spirit man is reborn, right? A heart, a spirit that's bent toward his ways and will, and apart from the devil. Now, when someone makes Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit to live and dwell, right? Because it just said, he's going to empower us to do it. Now, to, to walk in his ways. But then there's a separate experience, which is to be a powerful witness for Jesus, and that's to receive the baptism in the holy spirit now i just want to separate that because there's some christians who think that once you become born again just make jesus lord of your life you have all the spirit all the holy spirit you ever need that's not the bible there's a separate experience called the baptism in the holy spirit and uh, at the end of the service i always give an invitation for someone to receive the baptism of the holy spirit so but i'll touch on that later so Listen to me, if you are in this place today and have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, the Bible says, now this sounds harsh, but this is the word. The Bible says that you are a child of the devil and a slave to sin. You see, someone who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, they think they're free. They're, they're just happy-go-lucky, boy. They think they're doing, you know, oh, I'm doing my own thing. No, you're not. You're deceived because you're a slave. You're in bondage to sin. Because you have that sin nature, that sin problem that hasn't been dealt with in your heart, right? And that's all you know how to do is sin. Ah, oh, man, if people would just take hold of that. They're, uh, the people who have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So basically, the sinner 
And by the way, when I say sinner, that says, you know, people say, what, what, a Christian never sins? Hey, I didn't say that. When I'm saying sinner, I'm, that's referring to your nature, okay, meaning that uh, someone who has never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're a sinner because of the sin nature that hasn't been dealt with. I'm not saying a Christian never sins. We know that's a lie. Of course you sinned. But what I'm saying is the sinner practices sin. It's a constant life of sin, right? I'm talking about the sin nature, the nature of the person, the spiritual nature. And that's why we call them sinners. We're not, you know, lifting ourselves out and saying, no, you're no good. No, I'm not saying that. It's talking about the nature, the spiritual nature that hasn't been dealt with if you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Now turn with me to Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. Uh, and I'm going to be on 13 and 14. Verses 13 and 14. Hallelujah. No, oh, we love those people, right? Those people who haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. We want them to come into the family of God and be saved for eternity from a, a eternity of hell and damnation, right? Amen. We're not perfect. We're forgiven, right? Amen. There's a song I heard. It says, if you're looking for perfection, don't look at me. Look at Jesus, right? Because really, he was the only perfect one, right? He lived a life without sin. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, Romans 13, verses 13 and 14. Now, remember, this is written to Christians, right? Verse 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riot, rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. So Paul here, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is listing all these things that saying, hey, you know, you as a follower of Jesus Christ ought not to be into, right? Okay, verse 14, he tells us what we ought to do. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You see, there's a, there's a struggle in the Christian life. You, your spirit man, is bent toward God. That sin nature has been taken away, but then you have the flesh, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, those temptations that come, your flesh creeps up, and, and it wants to pull you away from God. The Bible says the spirit is willing. Your spirit man's willing to serve God, but the flesh is weak. So if you're living a life in the flesh, according to that you know, that part of yourself, uh, you're going to be bent towards sin. But if you're living a life in the spirit, as the Bible says, then you're living a life that is, is pleasing to God, and you want to do the will of God for your life. Now, I want you to notice, verse 14 tells us to do two things as Christians. Number one, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, make not provision for the flesh. Well, let me start with number one. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? You see, we as Christians must be so united and identified with him that we must imitate his life as a pattern for our living. Amen? 
Let me say that again. We as Christians must be so united and identified with him that we must imitate his life as a pattern for our living, adopt his principles for our life, and become like him on this earth. Right? Now, this calls for a complete rejection of immorality and the lust of the flesh. So how do you crucify the flesh? How do you make your, you know, how do you, how do you strengthen your spirit man? By getting into the word. You see, the word of God is spiritual food. Just how physical food is to your natural body. What happens? What happens if you won't, if you, you go home and you don't eat, uh, maybe for a few days? What do you think is going to happen to you? Oh, you're going to start to feel weak, aren't you? Oh, kind of faint maybe and, and just kind of yucky. Well, guess what? As a Christian, if you're not feeding on the word of God, your spiritual life is going to go down the tubes and your flesh is constantly going to rule. And that, my friend, is the difference between a carnal Christian and a spiritual one, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about that. And I'm going to be getting into that in the near future here about spiritual maturity in, in the different levels. But so we must put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that saying, what would Jesus do? Amen. And then there's do what Jesus did. Let's do what Jesus did. Amen. Let's live the life. Let's walk in love like he walked. Let's show compassion to others like he did. Amen. Let's read out, reach out to the lost and the hurting. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number two, under, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said, we as Christians are not to make provision for the flesh. In other words, don't put yourselves in a position to give in to sin. For example, if you know you have a weakness with pornography, don't, don't, at the motel, don't go and turn on Cinemax at midnight. Amen? Don't do it. All you're doing is making provision for that flesh to creep up. Amen? And that goes with anything else. Don't make provision. In other words, don't make it easy to fall into sin. Stay away from it. Run from it. Amen? Start praying in tongues. Crack the Bible open. You know what I'm saying? Now listen to me. The temptations will come. The temptation is not the sin. But what are you doing with that temptation? See? See what I'm saying? A lot of people get condemned. Oh, I'm being tempted all the time. And they, they walk around with this condemnation. The temptation's not the sin. What are you doing with the sin? Are you casting it down? Right? Are you calling out to God, Lord, help me. Give me strength. And are you walking away from that temptation? Or are you feeding into it? Right? And the sin is not only can be action, but it also could be in the mind. Jesus said that you can commit adultery without even doing the physical act. You can commit adultery in your heart because the lust, lusting after another individual. Right? See, I, I mentioned this before and I'll say it again. The whole New Testament, guess what it deals with? The heart. The heart. And the only thing that can change you and give you strength to move forward is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It calls the word of God a sword. It'll cut the things out of your life that are unprofitable to you. It'll cut those hindrances out of your life so you can move forward with God. And your heavenly father can bless you. Amen. Praise God. Now, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to start at verse 17. Just an interesting passage of scripture that kind of deals with what I'm talking about today. I just want to read it and, you know, if the Holy Ghost gives me something to pull up on a certain verse, uh, I want to give him the liberty to do that this morning. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He's saying, look, don't walk as an unbeliever walks, right? Having their, the understanding darkened. The, the sinner's mind is darkened. They're in the dark, right? They have no clue, clue. They're in bondage to sin in the devil. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their what? Heart. Amen. Verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you, look at this, verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. It's saying the believer who's not living their life according to the word says you haven't learned Christ about Christ yet. You haven't learned about what Christ taught yet because obviously you're, you're living your own life here apart from the word. Verse 21 if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. And that's a powerful truth. Sin is deceiving. You know, hey, sin, listen to me now. Sin, there is a pleasure in sin. When you're committing sin, there is a pleasure. But the Bible says it's a pleasure for a season. Because if you continue in that, judgment will surely come. God promises that, believe me. Verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation or manner of life, the old man, which is talking about the flesh, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So he's saying your new man, that reborn spirit, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Your spirit man loves to serve God. If you're a Christian this morning, your spirit man loves to serve God. Amen? Verse 25, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor. Neighbor, For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Oh yeah, you can be angry and not sin. It's possible, people. <laughs> Amen. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Husbands and wives, take note. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that you may have to give him that needs. It's saying, hey, you work honestly in the things that you're blessed with, bless others with them too. Help others out, right? Hallelujah. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's a biggie right there. Watch out what comes out of that mouth gate, because what, what you're doing is prophesying your future, amen? And I'm going to get into that deeper in, in later messages. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace or strength unto the hearers. Verse 30, look at this. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, as a Christian, it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. This is written to Christians. It's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. 
Amen? If you're a Christian today, I want this to just burn in your mind. Everywhere you go, you take the Holy Spirit with you. So that, what are you watching on TV? What are you watching at the movie theater? What magazines are you looking at? Amen? Because what you're looking at, he's looking at. Amen? And if you're a Christian, come on. You know you're wrong when you're looking at those things. Right? You ever get that feeling when you're doing something wrong and it's like, oh man, you just feel junky. That's the only way I can describe it. You know what I'm, come on, lift your hands if you know what I'm talking about. When you do something wrong, you mess up and you, oh, you just feel crazy. You grieve the Holy Spirit. You're feeling that grief the Holy Spirit has. Amen? So just remember that everywhere you go, you're taking the Holy Ghost with you. 31, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. How much do we forgive? Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. See, we've been forgiven. God loved us. He sent us on Jesus when he didn't have to. Right? Think about it. He sent his most prized possession, the Lord Jesus Christ, down to this earth when even mankind was cursing God. Amen? Now, how many times... If, if we want to do something with some, for someone and they're treating us bad, how many times we'll say, forget you. I'm not blessing you, right? Thank God God didn't have that attitude. Amen. So that's, we're supposed to forgive and love others in the same way. So I, I, just sense in, I, I just sense the Holy Spirit's telling me there's some people here who are dealing with situations in your family. I don't know, maybe not just even maybe your immediate family. You're holding bitterness and a grudge. That's holding you back from everything God has for you, whoever you are. Make it right and make the decision today to make it right and forgive them. Call them and tell them, you know what? I love you. Forgive me. I've been holding this bitterness. And you watch the floodgates of heaven pour upon you. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Because that... that bitterness that unforgiveness that you've been holding has been like a dam oh man god wants to pour that blessing pour his spirit upon you in such a mighty way oh that dam is almost getting ready to break but you got to do your part now that's going to release that dam and get ready for an overflow in your life when you make things right in that realm hallelujah now moving on to the next topic and i'm i'm Finishing up, believers must not be in, come on, a voluntary partnership or an intimate association with unbelievers. The main purpose of associating with an unbeliever is to lead them to Christ. You know, listen, that was the purpose Jesus ate with sinners to lead them to himself. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, they try to justify, oh yeah, you know, I'm just dating this guy, uh, you know, who's not a Christian or this friend who's not a Christian, you know, I... Oh, but Jesus ate with sinners. Yeah, but why did he eat with them? He was trying to th draw them to himself, to get the truth to them. Not just a uh, uh, lollygag. Jesus had a purpose on this earth. And guess what? You have purpose too if you're a Christian. Amen? So don't throw that excuse out. Yeah, but Jesus ate with sinners. Well, let's look at the purpose of why he did. Jesus said that the healthy don't need a physician, but the sick. He ate with the sinners 
so he could speak the truth to them and lead them to himself so they could be saved from damnation. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 6. Second Corinthians chapter six. And I am going to read uh, verse 14 through 18. Listen to this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or with the enemy? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, or with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? I think the Holy Ghost through Paul is making his point very clear here, isn't he? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 17, Wherefore? Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. This is New Testament, by the way. Verse 18, and he said, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now look at verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear or in the reverence of God. So he's saying, hey, look, you know, you really don't get into that intimate association with an unbeliever because I'll tell you who you associate with, it will rub off on you. Don't think, don't think it won't. Proverbs 13, 20, look it. It says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now, if you can walk with someone who's wise and become wiser, don't you think you can walk with someone who's not walking with God and backslide? Amen? It will. Amen? It will. So you really got to be careful of who you're associating with. Now, I'm not, you know, obviously at work, you're working around unsaved people. You know, I'm not talking about that. Come on, don't get legalistic on me, people. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, don't, don't have that intimate relationship or fellowship with an unbeliever because it will pull you down. Our purpose to be around them is to shine the light in the love of Christ to them and speak the truth of the word of God to them. Amen. So they can come into the family of God. Now, if no one ever, if, if a Christian never went out into the world, you know, you, you go from one extreme to the other. It seems like people in the church. One extreme, they'll say, well, I'm not even going to go out in the world. Well, how are we going to let our light shine to them? How are we going to lead them to Christ if we're not going out into those dark places, right? Or meeting with those individuals. I heard a guy once say, I'm serious. He said, you know, he just made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of his life. He was addicted to going to strip clubs. Well, you know, he gets saved and he's saying, well, I'm going to go back in that strip, strip club and I'm going to preach Jesus to them. <laughs> Use some wisdom, all right? <laughs> Stay outside of the building. Glory to God. Now, hallelujah. So, living a holy life will cause the Lord to manifest himself in his power and presence to us. Hebrews chapter 12. I'll tell you, I'm, I love the word. I love dragging people through the word. Because that's the only thing that will change hearts and lives, right? 
Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Matthew 5, 8. What did Jesus say? Let's go there real quick. You don't have to. I will. Matthew 5, 8. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then, look how this ties in. John 14, 21, Jesus says this. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father also. Listen to this. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. I'm telling you right now, you live that life according to the word of God, the power of God will be manifested in your life like never before. I told you the floodgates of heaven will be opened up. And to close, go with me to Isaiah 35. Just want to pull out one thing, a couple things in here. Hallelujah. This was a message that I believe the Lord gave me when I said, Lord, how do I prepare myself? How do I prepare the people for the move of your Holy Spirit that's going to flood this place? This was the message. Isaiah 35, 8 through 10. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. Verse 9, no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up there. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Verse 10, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Verse 8, the unclean shall not pass over this highway of holiness. Only those who have been washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ can walk in holiness, like I said. It says they shall not err therein. The way of holiness will be so clear, it says that even the fool won't be able to miss the way of holiness. Amen? Look at this dark world that we're living in. I mean, it's not, I mean, the way of holiness is shining bright. Let me tell you that, right? We know what's right. We know what's wrong as Christians. Verse 9. It says, no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast. The enemy cannot and will not be on the highway of holiness. Divine protection uh, as you live a life of obedience to God's word will be there. You will be lifted above the enemy. And I want to close with this story. Oh, verse 10, it goes on to say joy and gladness. So when you're living that holy life, you're going to have peace in your heart and you're going to have joy. But let me close with this. And I'm talking about the highway of holiness. I heard a story once about this missionary man who was in a third world country. Oh, another missionary friend invited him to take a ride in his little four-seater airplane. So the guy said, I want to sit in the back seat because I want to take some pictures, you know, of wherever they're at, the rainforest or whatever. So this missionary was sitting in the back seat. They're up in the air flying along. And all of a sudden, a poisonous snake comes crawling upon the missionary's lap who's sitting in the back seat. This missionary came unglued, screaming, Hey, hey, he's telling the pilot, Land this plane, I have a poisonous snake on my lap. Get down. All of a sudden, the, the pilot pulls back on the yoke, which starts a climb. 
and the guy's just getting unglued in the back. <laughs> He's saying, hey, land this plane now. I have a poisonous snake on my lap. It's going to kill me. The guy, the pilot, just keeps on with the yoke back and maintaining that climb. All of a sudden, that snake falls to the floor dead. The pilot knew if he got high enough, he could deprive that snake of oxygen and kill it. And my point is to you, when you live that and walk and live that life on the highway of holiness, the enemy can't go there. You, he will not be able to touch you because you're living a life of obedience to God. Amen? Hallelujah. And we sit with Christ in heavenly places. Hallelujah. So, but the closer you are to the world, the lower, the closer you are to the world, the more power and oxygen and strength you're given to the devil and demons to attack you. But live that life on the highway of holiness and deprive the enemy of that oxygen, of that strength. Amen. Why don't we all stand in this place this morning? Father, we thank you for the word that came forth today. I thank you for each person in this place, Father God. For they are special to you. Father, you love them with an everlasting love. And Lord, I pray that the message that came forth today, I pray that it would burn in their hearts, Father. That Lord, when they walk out this door, they wouldn't forget about it. But Father God, they'll say, I want to put that into practice. But you know, there could be some here today that has never made that step and made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And if that's you, I'm opening up the altar this morning. And if you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, oh no, not because blessings are there, but because you know that you're a sinner in need of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't come to him just for the blessing. Because I'll tell you, if you die, if you leave this earth without making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're going to be on, on an elevator going down. And you're not going to like where you wake up. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is a real hell. And if you want to be saved from the pits of hell. And make Jesus the Lord of your life. And become a child of God instead of a child to the devil. I want you to come down over here this morning. And I want to pray a prayer of salvation with you this morning. That's the greatest miracle that can take place. Amen. Now, if there's anyone in this place, anytime I'm giving these invitations, just come on down. You're Christian. Yeah, you accepted Christ 20 years ago, 10 years ago. But you know what? You haven't been living the life, and you know it. No one has to point that out to you. And today, here in this message, you said, it's time for me to make a brand new start. And if you want to do that this morning and make peace with God, and start brand new and stop that backslide and I want you to come on down and I want to pray with you this morning hallelujah if you are a Christian and you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit Acts 1.8 Jesus said you shall receive power once the Holy Spirit has come what? upon you you see when you were born again the Holy Ghost came within you but now is the time for the baptism the immersion where he comes upon for you to be a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and you want to today, come on down. I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. If you need a physical healing 
you need a miracle in your life, I want you to come down this morning because I want to lay hands on you. This church believes in the miracle-working power of God. He's still working miracles today. Thank you, Jesus. Let that blessing pass you away. The power of God is in this place if you need prayer this morning. Hallelujah.
love and childlike faith. Glory. Lift your hands and thank Him for what He's done here today. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Is there anyone else in this place who wants to come home to Father's house? Amen. What do I mean by that? Come on back. I sense there's more people in here who you know you're backslidden. And you want to come, but you might just be a little embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. We're a family. Amen. Hallelujah. Step on out, come down. I just want to lead you in a prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Prince of Peace. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The ever-living God. Word. One last call. Come on down. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you. Yes, this is a church that we give liberty to the Holy Ghost to manifest 
his gifts, spiritual gifts, as he wills. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Father, I bless each and every person in this place. Lord, as they go, encamp them with your holy angels. Let your favor rest upon them, Father God, and that they will go on in power. Hallelujah. Yes, stir them up by your Holy Ghost right now. Stir them up. If any of you would like a message, uh, a CD of the message today, or any messages uh, since I've been here, you, there's a sign-up sheet on the back. It's free, so take advantage of it. Get one for a friend or whatever. Uh, 1.30 to 2.30 is the life chain between Chestnut going north to Oak. Don't leave here without grabbing your sign, though, if you're going to be joining us. 6 o'clock tonight, come on back. We'll have a good time of food and food and, oh, I mean fellowship, food and fun. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Wednesday night, six o'clock prayer. Wednesday night, seven o'clock Bible study. God bless you.